Human design is a part science, part spiritual system that tells you who you came here to be. You have your own blueprint, your own way of becoming successful, your own way your dreams are going to come true, the way you'll experience the most joy and fulfillment. The instruction manual for how to move through the world is custom to you. When you act according to that manual, when you act as the real you, everything in life comes to you with more ease and less resistance. We all know we're different, yet we're still acting like there's one way to do life. Let's talk about it. To find out your design and the designs of the people in your life, you can visit myhumandesign.com or download the My Human Design app in the App Store and on Google Play. Okay, so I'm sitting here with somebody who's very special. And this is a really exciting episode for me because I think that um, especially coming up to this year where there's going to be so much happening, sometimes you really need to ground your spirituality and make it so practical and doable. And I don't know about you, but we've been chatting so much about the fact that, you know, just hearing things like, trust in a higher power or believe in yourself or love yourself like these things are wonderful but it's like how do we do them so um anyway I'm really excited to introduce you to someone who is really grounded in their spirituality and really has some amazing um tips and examples for us today will you tell everyone your name my name is Kamil I am uh, an old friend of Jenna's Mm -hmm. and uh I guess a Probably seven or eight years ago, I had a kind of yearning, which is not uncommon amongst uh, amongst people in our lives and amongst people that we know. Once you've reached a certain point in your career and a certain point in your relationships and a point in your life, you start, um, there's a questioning that comes, which I think a lot of people, especially in the past three years, have also come to realize, which is, what have I been working so hard for? What does all of this mean? What do I want to give to the world? Am I just taking? Or is there something, a purpose within me that I haven't found yet and that is kind of eager to come pouring out of me and I haven't been giving the space to? So I set out on a path of seeking, discovery, uh, beginning originally with psychedelics and then moving on to meditation, uh, the true path of yoga, Tantra and really wanting to understand basically why we're here, mm. how can we learn to be here and fully be here, fully be present, fully be accepting of everything that life has to offer us. And then it kind of evolved to now that I have all of this knowledge, um, how can I share it? And that wasn't really something that came out of me, ironically. I never really set out to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. People just started asking me. Mm-hmm. And my teachers at the time started saying, well, we need more men, especially. Yeah. So uh, they started signing me up for things without my, <laughs> without my knowledge. <laughs> and then I had a friend who was um, putting together a, a, a program uh, at a place, in, a quite well-known place in Greece. And she called me and said, well, you said you want to help people so here's the, here's an opportunity come and teach here for two weeks and that was kind of that was kind of the beginning of it wow. and um and it's only evolved since then mm-hmm. it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper and i think most people who start out on a spiritual path certainly it was in my case there's an element of escapism mm-hmm. 
there's an element of if I just do this, then everything will be okay. You know, like the anxiety that I've had or the the kind of mistrust perhaps in the universe. If I just do this, then everything will be fine. And then that kind of gives way to, well, actually there was nothing wrong in the first place. And an understanding of just coming to a sense of peace, I guess, to a sense, and that peace isn't necessarily always there, but there's a trust that if it was there once, then it'll come again. And just whatever is happening in this moment is impermanent as most of life is anyway. Mm. So that's how I ended up here. That's so beautiful. And it's so amazing how it, I love hearing about stories when it's kind of like accidental, you know, like what they say about your path really finds you, you know, you don't necessarily try to you didn't get into this for that reason. There's a lot of people who, you know, started gardening because they just loved it and it was a passion and then it evolves into something else. Like you're just following what naturally just like you gravitated towards. But I want to ask you about, you said you started with psychedelics and you have so much to say about, you know, it's exploded so much recently. And I really think that what you have to say about like how to prepare for it properly and like who shouldn't be doing it and the integration afterwards, like all of that so much more important, like the pre-care and the aftercare and all of that stuff than just the ceremony. Um, can you say a little bit more about like how you came to those realizations and understandings? My first experience with psychedelics was 2015. Nobody, very few people were doing this beyond the occasional psilocybin mushroom mm -hmm. uh, at a party or something. Mm -hmm. And I met someone, again, through what you just said, your path finds you. Mm. Uh, I've been stre very stressed with work and I met someone who introduced me to uh, someone in London who helps people deal with stress and they call him an energy healer, but I think he's more along the lines of a subconscious guide. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that he also facilitates um, these ceremonies and I didn't do anything uh, for at least a year before I was working like I've been working with him for a year basically before I did any kind of psychedelic and um, even with that year I think I wasn't prepared enough because wow. he wasn't I don't think he understood we kind of worked on some smaller problems kind of within seven or eight months of mm -hmm. working with him I'd already started to cut down the amount I was drinking mm -hmm. not that I was really an, I wasn't an alcoholic but mm -hmm. it was very either all in or nothing mm -hmm. was my approach to alcohol mm -hmm. but he yeah so I, I'd done mushrooms before but I, I hadn't done anything quite that um, deep because what did you first do with him an African plant called okay. the, an African plant called the boga okay and that plant is is quite it's quite, um, it's, it's very deep. It's not necessarily these beautiful visions that you hear people talk about with ayahuasca mm -hmm. of a snake and colors and everything. Mm -hmm. It's much more uh, underworld. As far as I know, and, and all my reading since, it's mm -hmm. the closest psychedelic that replicates the experience of death. Wow. They call the first night of it ego death because the way that it works is that you're getting a slideshow of your life for hours. And it's just, it's just, frame after frame after frame going so fast and it stops i mean i think you're the one directing it it stops at certain photos wow and you create a meaning around this photo and oh i need to change that oh i need to change that so that's kind of like what you come out of is that you've had this whole experience of seeing your entire life and what you want to change on it and you get very fixated on 
oh, well, I'm going to change this. Mm-hmm. In my readings of Tibetan Buddhism since, I've mm-hmm. realized that that is the closest experience because most people talk about in near-death experiences that they have this, they have this um, reel, basically, of their entire <laughs> life, which, and in Tibetan Buddhism, they believe that that reel, when you see that at the moment of your death, that basically is what sets up your next incarnation. Wow. So Iboga is the closest psychedelic I know that replicates the experience of death. The thing with it is that I came out of that experience with um, an intensity, let's say, with first of all, ha- everything that I wanted to change in my life. But there was also all these stories that I was told at the time around energies that had been removed. And it was quite dark in terms of the visuals that I saw. So, and I was just kind of, I came out of it and I was like, all right, off you go. And I was just swimming in this on my own. And I didn't realize at the time, I didn't realize how this works. It right. stays in your system for a year. Wow. So there's const- this constant kind of back chatter going on. Mm. And I didn't sleep properly for a, a good couple of months. I think almost a year I couldn't sleep with the, with the lights off. I was wow. just terrified half the time. Mm. And the rest of the time I was just sitting in a state of confusion over, because I didn't have any experience of energy and all of a sudden I'm feeling this this tingling all over my body and mm. there's a ringing in my ears. And mm. so there was, a, it was a very, very intense experience of, of just becoming aware of myself, mm. becoming aware of the fact that there's an energy moving through me, becoming aware of the fact that other people have energies that we're all kind of just interacting in this kind of like beautiful hologram. Mm. But there was no kind of support. And I didn't, I came out of that with a lot of anger, a lot of anger. There was a lot of superiority as well. Mm. And it's only kind of- Because you did plant medicine. First of all, because I did plant medicine. And secondly, there was kind of like this vision that gets created Mm. around, um, you know, a, a lot of people go into plant medicine ceremonies and start, think they're having interactions with alien beings, for example. Mm or they see themselves as, oh, I'm not from here. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I'm, I'm here to do everyone a favor, mm-hmm. basically. I'm here to awaken humanity. Mm-hmm. Is, and it's not until I would say probably two years, because I did it again a, couple of, a, a year afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's not until two years afterwards when I really committed to a meditation practice and I started to hear the chatter going on in my head mm-hmm. that I realized, oh dear, yeah. I mean, this is, this is not good. And I was very lucky also that I was on a path of really, really learning yoga, not just asana, not just postures, mm-hmm. but the, f- the philosophy behind it. And I had teachers that kind of yanked me back because I would ask questions and then they would pull me aside afterwards and say, I need to talk to you about that question you just asked right. about extraterrestrials or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they would say, let's come and have a conversation. So I had teachers that were grounding me that were very mm-hmm. much like you need to all of this that you're doing is to enable you to live here. Yeah. That 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 this talk and this this ideology that mm. has been enabled by the plant medicine yeah. is not serving you because wow. the quality of your relationships, anything that you're doing for mm-hmm. self development mm. can be judged by the barometer of are your relationships better than they were before, mm. and most of my relationships were worse. Wow. So th- because of that superiority that kind of gets in breath. Yeah. Spir- spiritual ego c- complete, completely unconscious yeah completely unconscious um and it just doesn't it's not really helping anybody yeah. so i think that kind of that reflection back to me from teachers first of all and mm. secondly the awareness of what was going on mm. in my mind led me to then 
decide that actually I I probably I can't be doing this on my own I need help yeah so I started to do subconscious therapy again through like you said the path finds you I was Mm -hmm. at a um, I was at a dinner and someone was talking about her PTSD and how she'd had this horrific car accident and ended up in hospital for three months or something Mm -hmm. because she broke so many bones and um, she needed all this this trauma therapy and she introduced me to this this modality called uh, brain spotting and I ended up doing that I was like a warrior every because I was so aware of what was going on in my mind. So I would show up with every session with this is what I want to work on this week. Right. This is what's been coming up. This is how it affects me and my body. This is where I feel it. Let's move through it. Mm -hmm. And the the therapist doesn't really talk about so much her ideology. She just it's all about just you focus on this feeling in your body and see what comes up. And you end up in kind of this almost like a wormhole of memories start coming up. And so all of the meanings that I created in the years before around the psychedelics and also especially in my child, because at the end of the day, that's what the psychedelics do. Yeah. That's, this is what we're not talking about. Is what? Is that the psychedelics bring to the surface all the gunk. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people come out of it thinking that they've healed it, but really the gunk is just sitting there at the surface. Now it's there for you to clean it. Mm. And people aren't aware of the fact that they need to be doing some pretty deep cleaning. Yeah. So... I would show up to these sessions with, for example, if we use the the alien or superiority example, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that. I never spoke to her about it. But right. we would just say, okay, I'm like, you know, I'm having this problem, this relationship with this person. Mm. There's been a falling out, or there's been a whatever, and uh, I feel judged by them. And always, mm. the realization that comes is actually that you you're the them. you're the one that's judging yeah. them, and you're the one that's <laughs> created the dynamic in the first yeah. place. Of course. So you sit in this session and I started to realize, okay, so you see aliens in psychedelic experiences Mm -hmm. because you felt alienated as a child. Mm -hmm. And the personality, this is the the core realization that I came out of, Mm. is that the the personality is always confirming itself. Yeah. Whether it's in dreams. Whatever you seek, you will find. Whether it's in dreams, whether it's in psychedelics, wherever it is, your core beliefs will be reflected back to you Mm -hmm. in your everyday life Mm -hmm. and in the visions that you have. Yes. So then I started to understand, okay, so all of it came out of a false understanding, first of all, of what reality is, of what my purpose here is. Yeah. And none of this, none of these visuals that I saw and the the, the meaning that I created out of them was Mm -hmm. completely wrong. Yeah. So it all just started to unwind, Mm. this superiority, the Mm -hmm. idea that I, that we're all, all of us here on this spiritual path are here to save everybody else. And, And there was this whole this really, really beautiful unwinding of all of it and of just a deep acceptance of everybody as they are. Everybody mm-hmm. is who they are. Everybody serves their own purpose in their own individual way. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have been able to get to that if I didn't do the integration. Mm-hmm. My experience, my initial experience of psychedelics, the first couple of months was very hard. Mm-hmm. It was I wouldn't wish it on anybody actually. Right. But I can say with the benefit of hindsight that it was incredible because it showed me the core woundings that hold humanity Mm -hmm. one of them being the unseen this idea that there's something out to get us Mm -hmm. all the time which Mm -hmm. is a completely false belief Mm -hmm. that's been instilled in us through horror movies through societal conditioning Mm -hmm. i mean it goes back ages conventional religion i guess conventional religion all of it this idea that if you do something that your society perceives to be wrong that you will be punished in some way by an unseen force Mm -hmm. yeah and it's completely a conditioned belief it's just Mm -hmm. not true Mm And it's only until I was able to go through that experience that I could see that and really mm. see how it's holding all of us mm. 
a fear of doing what we want to do, what we feel we were born to do, mm-hmm. because we're going to either piss people off or because mm. we're not going to be rewarded in some way. Yeah, or or be rejected or judged or all of those kind of things for, for it, right? Completely. So when you, I guess, like, how would you advise people? Because obviously there is a time and a place and it can be very healing to do a psychedelic journey. Like, what do you think is like the best way to prepare and then also the best way to like go into it? I would never, first of all, I just want to say that even with everything that I've said, I would never discourage anybody and even me myself. I haven't Mm -hmm. done it in a long time, but Mm -hmm. who knows? I never say never. Right. So I would never discourage anybody. All I would say is that the way that it's being done these Mm -hmm. days without proper, first of all, respect for the plant, the Mm -hmm. dosages that people are being hit with that have never done any kind of psychedelics. All psychedelics are doing is showing you your mind. Mm -hmm. And most people are not prepared to see the deepest, darkest recesses of the subconscious. Yeah. It's very, very, very intense. What were you saying to me about when you get people meditating? What's the first thing that they say when they first start doing meditation? Most people that come to me and start to learn meditation within the first two or three weeks tell me I didn't realize how dark it was Mm. and how dark they mean, how dark their thoughts were Mm -hmm. in terms of how much negative self-talk there is, how much Mm -hmm. self-hatred, how much Mm -hmm. fear, how much anxiety. So most people are aware of the feeling of anxiety, but they haven't had the time or the patience to sit with themselves, to hear the voice of it. Mm. And the voice of it is, um, is basically what's controlling their lives. And it's it's challenging for some people to face, and that's the point that some, it's kind of a make or break. The right. first two or three weeks when they start to hear that voice, some people are like, you know what, I just don't want to know. Yeah, you know, it's it's much easier. Ignorance is bliss. I'd rather just not deal with this. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, Completely but then you enough. definitely, if that's you, you definitely shouldn't be doing psychedelics. Yes, basically. exactly. <laughs> so that's so an answer to your question. Yeah, how do you prepare? I would say the first question you should ask yourself is, what is my view of the world? Mm. Is Do I think that the world is a hellhole that I've ended up in by accident? If you think that's the case, I would suggest months of Mm. some kind of, whatever therapy speaks to you, some kind of modality to work through that, some kind of spiritual belief, whatever it is to work Mm. through that. Because if that's your core belief Mm -hmm. and you're going into psychedelics seeking some kind of stability, Mm. I'm not saying for 100% that you're gonna end up with a smack in the face. Mm-hmm. But I just don't want, because there's a lot of people that end up more and more recently that I've seen spin out. Yeah. We have a close mutual friend together mm-hmm. that's, you know, disappeared and believes yeah. that everyone's out to get them. And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I've, it's up to 10, the number in the past year. Mm-hmm. And you only have to look on and watch on TV, actually, the recent yeah. rantings of a certain prince mm-hmm. to see what happens when there's, not a reflection back and basically mm. a, the, the, the misguided perception mm. of a young and a child, a, for, a formerly suppressed in a child comes to the wow. surface mm. and takes over the perception control. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so true. That's exactly what's, what happens is that without proper, um, I guess, addressing of the different parts of you that come up, you don't know which part that's going to take the lead or take the role and you you almost need to have that com- like internal conversation or someone to help you with how to sort all those bits that come up and get kicked up to the surface. Like, what do you do with them then, right? Completely. I, and yeah. I, think, I think the way that psychedelics are going to evolve because they have to, mm-hmm. by their very nature, even though I can say that my experiences and the people that have had difficult experiences were there to serve them in the longer run, mm-hmm. we are by nature human beings that, mm-hmm. uh, that evolve. 
and we like to improve things. And there is something in the system and the way that it's being done that does need to be improved and can uh. be improved. And that's our nature. So I think the way that the, the, the shift that's going to happen is that there'll be more and more therapeutic usages rather than just doing it uh, in an apartment in upstate New York. Right. Or in which is basically how it's being done for the vast majority of people these days. There's mm -hmm. not that many people going down to Peru or to Brazil compared to yeah. the way that they're being administered in cities. Mm -hmm. So, and even in Peru and Brazil, the shamans there hold a very strong lineage, Yeah. but they're not equipped to deal with the intricacies of the Western psyche. Wow, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's so true. So, I mean, they grew up in nature. They don't mm -hmm. understand most of our neuroses. Yeah, they probably <laughs> so think we're ridiculous. They think we're, they think we're ridiculous and they don't... <laughs> I don't think they have the capacity to hold people in the way that they need to be held because mm. someone who grew up in the jungle and mm. doesn't have this kind of constant fight or flight response going on in their body yeah. is going to sit and have just a beautiful journey where they connect to nature. Mm -hmm. Someone who's coming for deep healing from years of abuse or neglect or whatever that may be in their life, for example, to use an extreme example, can't just sit there and have a shouldn't just be sitting there and watching all of this stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm more and more starting to believe that there needs to be a guide sitting next to that person. Mm. And when they feel a panic, whenever they start to move into an area of what people would call a bad trip, yeah. instead of running away from it, actually hold it for a second because mm. that's the moment that it can be shifted. That, so it, that there can be a, okay, sit there, speak to this part of you mm. that's been neglected for so long. Mm -hmm and find a way to bring healing to it. That's the way to do it. Yes. I think in the moment, in the extreme, in the extremity, rather than just letting it run out on your own mm. and then coming out of it and thinking that you've healed it and perhaps it hasn't been fully healed. And then having continuous, I think for months afterwards, just a space, first of all, cultivating the space to, to hear yourself. So whether it's meditation, whatever it is, where you've got time on your own to hear what's going on and to create some distance between yourself and your thoughts. And to realize that you're not separate, actually, and you don't have to take all of these things so seriously. Yeah. But then in the months afterwards, really having that care where you can go and speak to someone and begin to unwind some of these stories, because that's what it is. It's just bringing to the surface all the stories. And it will, that's what will continue to play out in the months afterwards. And rather than just allowing this inner child to basically wreak havoc on your entire life mm -hmm. um, and destroy your familial relationships because it's furious about the way that it was treated as a child yeah. or... yeah is have, have, I guess, the capacity and the wherewithal to constantly show up week after week or twice a month or whatever it is that can work in your schedule. Not just to talk about it, because the issue with talk therapy is that you get all of these labels and, you know, we and I have spoken about it. I don't want to disparage it. anyone here that's listening that that's, uh, practices what we might call conventional psychology was hugely instrumental in parts of my life. But at some point that there had to be a, a more somatic for me personally and what I'm seeing in other people as well, a more somatic, a deeper understanding rather than on this conscious level. It had to go deep, much deeper into the subconscious to really start to get to the root of what this is rather than just be given these, these labels, boundaries, narcissist, yeah. toxic, yeah. or you know, pu pu push this person out of your life. Exactly. And, and I don't really think that that's serving anybody. I agree. So if you have someone that can continue to guide you in the realms of your subconscious in the months afterwards, it's hugely helpful. And there's yeah. not that many spaces that are doing it at the moment, but there are a couple of NGOs and foundations that are really pioneering psychedelic research and that they're doing a lot of trials. And um, I'm, just, I'm just wary of all the 
basically everything kind of these days, everything becomes a trend. Mm -hmm. Everything kind of explodes. Yeah. And especially in the past two or three years, the instability that we've had has made people look for answers Mm -hmm. very understandably. They want us like, how can I, how can I find what I'm looking for? I need something to get out of this. I feel Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable. I feel so anxious. I feel so unstable. Maybe this will tell me what I'm supposed to be doing here. Yeah. Yeah. So, there are foundations. I'm going to be doing uh, a, a partnership event with a foundation from Germany mm-hmm. in London later in this year, uh, which is kind of a four or five day prep that they do for anybody that's considering psychedelics. Wow. The, even they admit it's not perfect as it is, but mm. it's better than nothing, yeah. which is what most people are doing now. Exactly. So we'll continue kind of progressing on this path and exposing more and more people to, um, I think, the really important benefits of... Yeah pre-work and then post-integration yeah and I think it's one of the things you've really taught me is that like it isn't the pot at the end of the rainbow and actually if you are wanting the answers I think obviously we want to do like the quick get over it whatever and we feel like oh my god we had this like crazy experience we saw a thousand things that means we did it well right but actually if you're looking for answers sometimes like the subtle more daily things are the things that are gonna really help you as well like having that daily conversation with yourself or relationship like a building anything that helps you build a deeper relationship with your thoughts um with your you know unfelt feelings and things like that like there's so many other ways to do them and it's almost like you have to dip your toe in before you go into the deep end of all of that because otherwise you're just gonna you're it's so unkind to your system to shock yourself like that i think yes and a lot of people i think all of us we're always kind of chasing some kind of peak experience yeah if i just do this Mm -hmm. then everything will be okay yes if i just do this then that'll give me the answer that i want Mm -hmm. and we do chase after extremes that's just the society that we've become Mm -hmm. we're always looking for however much bigger it can get Mm -hmm. and eventually i think it's all of our learning is that bigger isn't always better right is that at some point the the subtlety and you just have to be kinder to yourself and like you said not shock yourself so much Mm -hmm. And it is the small things. Yeah. That's really what you realize is, you know, I, I had the peak experiences with the psychedelics and then afterwards I realized, okay, I felt this incredible magic. I did have magical experiences with them, even with the difficulty. Mm. I did have a, a feeling of awe and wonder, like, my God, my hands, my, mm. how incredible it is. Like the, what we're capable of as humans that yeah. we've created. I mean, we fly in a tin can <laughs> at the end of the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> An aluminum can. and. F- 30,000 feet up in the sky like we created yeah. that it's pretty bonkers when yeah. you think about it mm-hmm. how magical it is to be a human so I yeah. did have those peak experiences but then afterwards I wanted a exactly like you said a subtle way of how do I ground this into my life on a daily basis mm. which is what took me on the path that I went on eventually with meditation and yoga yeah. philosophy and I think you're right like you know I would say that that's one of the things that I guess one of the good things about psychedelics is it can open that up to you though those like positive feelings mm-hmm. that you can then tap back into with the small stuff daily like 100%. once you feel that magic it's so um it's so much easier to kind of like live in that state and and feel it so it's like everything it comes with its its plus sides and its and its downsides it's just about how to mitigate the downsides from 100 percent, and yeah. you can't mitigate something for a 100% always you can't no. always be 100% sure so I would never want to completely discourage people all I'm saying is put your best foot forward yeah and do d- don't take it to be this nirvana that it's yeah. being sold as yeah and just listen to your intuition do the prep work before do some 
real soul searching, I would mm. say, some real excavation and mm. understand, okay, how, go into it with a different intention, mm. a manic intention of, I just need to get out of this pain that I'm in versus, okay, now I'm ready. Like mm. now I'm ready to see what is left because I feel like I've done some foundational work. Yeah. So that's kind of where I would go with it. Ultimately, I think it comes down to um, individual sovereignty. It's like you said with the, with the magic, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like been why I'm so eager to organize community projects and everything because there are ways to experience that magic. First of all, you can, you can have it with the psychedelics. It does, it's proven that it opens up your neuroplasticity. It creates new connections in your mind, mm -hmm. in, your, in your brain, excuse me. Mm -hmm. So it is important for people, but there's also a remembrance of what it is to be a human, mm. which is just magical, right? Yeah. So one of my peak experiences if I, that I call on all the time, which has, is not a psychedelic experience, it's just was trekking in the Andes in Peru mm. in 2015 as well, or 2016. And any time in the past seven years that mm -hmm. I've questioned heaven is not on earth i just rem remember that oh. i remember that experience of being five thousand meters up nobody around the most unbelievable landscapes blues mixed with red sand mixed with greens mixed with i mean it's breathtaking that this exists on earth and that we've forgotten that it's here mm. so and you don't even have to go that far as peru i was in switzerland a couple of weeks ago you know there's it's just there, there is there is beauty to be had here we just have to remember that and remember that especially in cities sometimes we get so disconnected and we're just on this hamster wheel of going to work every day and and, and doing the mundane things that we're used to that it's just small bits of magic that we can we can we can weave into our everyday yeah to bring back that remembrance totally and it's so funny that you say that because obviously being in a beautiful place or a calm place or a peaceful place really um, can open that up to you but I also noticed you know having you know I was on in like a tropical paradise for the last six weeks and there was moments where I genuinely was like I'm here but I'm not here because if your mind is telling you a story all the time or you're on this like distraction right it's almost like hold on a second there's so much around me and the experience of being here is completely different if I just sit my butt down buy a tree, put my phone away for 20 minutes and just look at this way this freaking branch moves in the wind versus like, oh yeah, I'm just passing by because I'm this and I'm that and I'm thinking about whatever. Stuff that probably doesn't even matter anyway, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, I think, you know, making your mind a good place to live is probably like number one um, key for doing all the things that we, all the different tools, like that's the whole intention, right? And it might not ever be a perfect place to live in your mind, mm -hmm. but you can create some distance between mm -hmm. taking it seriously or not. I, yeah. think that's, I think that's the power of it is, yeah. I know you and I have had this discussion where sometimes th these thoughts pass through and you just think, oh, how ridiculous. Yeah. And you kind of laugh at it. And I think being able to- Yeah, not believe everything that not comes to, in. Not believe everything that comes in mm -hmm. and just to uh, create a lightness of, uh, yeah. of how silly mm -hmm. that I would think that, for yeah. example. And who's the I that's thinking it in the first place, yeah. right? Yeah. So sometimes, you know, we, we, we've spoken about free will and destiny, and I, mm -hmm. I genuinely believe that sometimes it's just a soundtrack mm -hmm. that's kind of playing through, through, through the cosmos. And sometimes it's for us, sometimes it's for other people, and we don't mm. have to take everything so seriously. Mm. Um, what do you think about, because I think about this often, like one of the things that has really helped me with those thoughts is like, 
I think the less shame you have, the more levity you can take those thoughts, right? Because they're not going to control you if they're not pressing on a shame, right? So if you know like you're inherently a good person, if you know that you're just human and that you mess up and that having a negative thought doesn't make you a bad person or having done one thing that you're not proud of isn't like something that you're still giving yourself such a hard time for for ages ago and just being gentle and forgiving and stuff on yourself. Like now I feel like negative thoughts that means they have less of a hold on you because a you're more you can be more aware of them and actually put words to what they're trying to say to you and b then you're like oh okay well that's just you know it's almost like you realize like everyone is like everyone is we're all in the same program like everybody has these things and it just they don't have to be taken so seriously or as so real you're completely right and i think that what would really help people is to start questioning Mm. if there is shame yeah who decided that that particular thing was shameful wow because most of the time it's a societal it's a it's a human construct mm. the fact that something was shameful right mm. so i always go back to one of the core teachings of of tantric philosophy which is first order reality second order reality first order reality is what is there before a human's thought comes in mm. so who decided that a tree was called a tree a human right before then it was just something that was there who decided that the color green was the color green? A human, right? Second order reality is the meaning that humans ascribe to everything. And most of the things that we consider shameful a hundred years ago were not. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, anyone remember how much of sexuality was taboo in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. If someone showed a nipple on TV, mm-hmm. it was a disaster. Now it's just, you know, we've, we've, we've changed. Yeah. We've evolved as a species. Right. And what's shame, what was shameful a thousand years ago now is considered completely normal. So I think that's the question because mm. everyone carries shame. We all yeah. do, whether we realize it or not. Some of it is inherited shame. Yeah. Completely. It's not something that we genuinely believe mm. ourselves and our consciousness as we are now. It's something that was passed on to us through our genetics, through our family belief system, whatever we want to call it. So coming back to the shame is who decided that this is shameful? Mm. Because most of the time, what most people consider to be shameful is really kind of ridiculous, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm including myself in this. That that was my journey at the beginning was, you know, uh, people from my background don't teach spiritual philosophy, Mm -hmm. right? It's... It was considered, um, everyone would say to me, oh, wow, you're so brave. I'm like, brave for what? Right. Uh, it doesn't, it didn't really make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And even now I still get people saying to me, oh, for you to be a man and to be doing this. Wow, you Do must you? have, yeah, you must have really kind of, you really had to face some, uh, s- some real kind of courage issues, some real, so, um, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't feel like, first of all, I don't feel like I had a choice. It felt like something wow. that was kind of put in front of me. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, if people are asking me, why would I not? Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a pretty minute shame compared to yeah. what most other people, there's so much shame around sexuality, for example. Mm-hmm. There's so much shame around um, purpose and what people are doing for a living. Oh, there's yeah. so much shame around the climate. There's just shame yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So I genuinely believe that people at their heart are good people, mm-hmm. that there is, nobody is born an asshole, excuse mm-hmm. my language, right? Yeah. Anyone who becomes what we would call an asshole, what most of society would judge as an asshole, genuinely has something that happened along the way 
that created either a lack mentality or created anger or frustration that became ingrained in them and mm. the way that they're acting as a result of society and family and yeah. there's a whole other thing that got inbred to them and mm. I don't know. So, I mean, yeah. people, we can say that babies are born with a personality, but are they destructive? I'm not so sure. So Yeah. That, um, that's an interesting question then because how much, oh, it just goes back to nature and nurture, right? Completely. But it's also like, well, how much of your sovereignty are you preserving if you're still running, like, you know, shame and stuff is like creating patterns or contortions in your choices, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're certainly avoiding certain things to not have shame, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, I could say the same thing about me. Like when I decided to give up my, like I had an actual food business and I sat my dad down one day and I was like, I'm closing my food business and I'm going to go and do this thing called human design. Like no one was doing it. It mm. sounded absolutely freaking bonkers. And I thought my highest aspiration, I've told you this before, like it would be like being wheeled out on the lottery with a wig <laughs> and a crystal ball, like predicting the numbers. Like it sounded absolutely crazy. I do think that, um, being in a position where you went, like you, like you said, times when you don't even feel like you have a choice makes it easier to get over the shame. And sometimes like life will almost push you um, to go to places where you have to get over the shame if you don't kind of, you know, well, it just happens differently for all of us. But in that situation, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Like I was so unhappy or like, you know, you know this as well, like breaking off my engagement. People are like, oh my God, and you were like 32 and you, you were going to be married and you didn't get to be married. I'm like, I was signing, like, the alternative was so not what I wanted that, mm -hmm. of course, like, that seems so much better, you know? Um, it's so interesting that you said it that way in terms why? of that the shame gets gets pulled out of you. Yeah. It's because I noticed that a lot. I remember uh, two or three years ago, um, yeah, there was this weird cycle in 2020. I don't know what happened. All, so many people I know had, let's call it a sexual awakening of just wanting to experiment it was people i think that had really kind of deep-seated shame or judgment of others or everything it just started to be pulled out of them it was mm. fascinating to watch really it was fascinating to watch there was kind of a transcendence mm. uh that came out of it wow yeah how interesting mm. i think it's it's one of those things where like it's probably just an extension of like if life doesn't um if you don't do it, if you don't listen, obviously the the clues get louder and louder until you get that like shove from the universe where it's like, okay, come on, enough now, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, but the shame I think is really something that makes your mind, like you said, it's not that you're, you know, everybody has like mixed thoughts all day long. So the goal is not to just be like waking up and feeling happy, clappy 24-7, but it's like, how do you manage the different voices in your head? And there's so many different um, ways to do that. So if someone is like, okay, I also think that I need something deeper than talk therapy, mm. what other things are like options? So there's so many these days. So there's, I would say, go deep into the subconscious. So there's hypnosis, mm -hmm. there's EMDR, mm -hmm. there's somatic experiencing, there's brain spotting, which is a kind of something that combines EMDR and somatic experiencing. Then there are all these kind of transformational retreats that people find incredible. So Hoffman process, I think you've heard of as well. People say they have incredible results from that. I haven't been, I, I, I don't know, but everyone I know that's been to it said that it was life-changing for them. Mm. Um, there's another one called Path of Love, which again, everyone I know says was absolutely incredible for them. So you'll find what resonates with you. What I would say is, why I champion these is because in all of these, you are the empowered person. You're not giving your power away to someone else. So 
energy healers are wonderful, mm-hmm. but by going to an energy healer, you're giving your power away to another person. You heal me. Mm-hmm. Rather than with all of this is you are your own healer. You're going to someone who's going to facilitate you yourself mm. doing whatever digging you need to do, doing right. whatever mending you need to do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, all, the whole point of all of this is to enable you to to be here, right? right. That's all we want is yeah. people to be here, to be, you don't have to be, like you said, happy clappy all the time. No. But to feel content. Yes. Let's call it content. Yeah. To feel on purpose. And speaking of purpose, that's probably the most important thing is can you align yourself with whatever purpose has been presented to you? Mm-hmm. So if you're a parent and you made the decision to be a parent, can you fully be a parent? And if there's all this stuff going on in your head about a life that you think you lost because you're now looking after kids, mm-hmm. kids can pick up on that. And mm. it's, 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 I think, our work to work through that voice of I've made the wrong life choice by having kids, for example, or I made the wrong life choice by not taking this career or by not making this choice. You make a choice, live the choice and really be with the choice. Mm. Yeah. In the example of kids, you can't just decide after five or six years, you know what, sod it, I'm done. (laughs) Which you can do with a career. So, but purpose is a really interesting thing because everyone thinks, and we've been conditioned by social media to think that purpose is having this high paying job or this high paying career, living in this massive house, having all of this stuff. And that's a really, really new thing for humanity. Yeah. The idea that that's the ideal. Yeah. Whereas before people were just content to have a family, content to be a farmer, content mm-hmm. to be, you know, the, the the example that they use in in spiritual traditions, which I witnessed myself, is you go to an ashram in India, the person that's cleaning the floor is cleaning the floor with so much love. It's right. almost like they're trying to polish. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's not a diamond, it's, it's stone, but that, yeah. that's how hard they're polishing it. Yeah. So they put so much kind of care and attention into everything. And that's, I think, where we've kind of been, lost our way a little bit with, mm-hmm. the, with the programming, because that's mm-hmm. really what it is. Yeah. It's a consumerist programming. Definitely. Around, you need this to be happy. You need this in order to be okay. Yeah. And it's seizing on a very vulnerable population who I believe in the past 50, 60 years, I think it really kicked off mm-hmm. after the first nuclear explosion. Really? That's my that's my perception of it. I think the, 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 those two world wars kind of started to kick off, and the horrible thing that happened to the Jewish population. Mm-hmm. You had this, ho- you know, just this massacre, mm-hmm. this genocide of millions of people, followed by a nuclear explosion, which basically in humans intentionally created something that will destroy, wow. that can destroy hundreds of thousands of people yeah. in one in one go. And it created like this deep unease and this deep anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then you multiply that with the fact that most people were all now second and third culture kids, right? right? America, so America is a country that was built and created by immigrants. A lot of people there are not from there. They fled from really harsh conditions. Mm-hmm. You've got huge waves of that in Europe too, mm-hmm. right? So I'm originally Lebanese. I grew mm-hmm. up in London. Mm-hmm. I'm not fully English. Mm-hmm. I'm not fully Lebanese either. Right. There's a sense of belonging that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. And that's feeding into, I think that's part of the feeding into the, this sense of, am I okay? Yeah. Which is r- the subconscious running that yeah. everybody's got going on and they don't realize. If I just do this ice bath, if I just do this sauna, if I just take this supplement, if I just go to this particular class, if I just take this course, if I just yeah. learn this teacher's teachings, then mm-hmm. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So there's, we've become kind of this almost manic in the wellness industry, in the spirit, spiritual yeah. industry over 
just, I need to do this to make sure that I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And we're not questioning this whole biohacking movement and this longevity movement. I think it's really important. Me, mm. myself, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm part of it, probably mm. much lighter than I used to be. But this narrative around we need to live to be 120, why? But why? Mm. If you connect to the fact that you're an infinite being and you connect to the fact that there's, there's here, you can enjoy all of this. Mm. Living, I mean, it's quite sad if you go and speak to somebody who's 100 years old. A lot of their friends have died. Mm. You know, the, it's, it's, it's not necessary. I don't know why we've created kind of this aspiration around it. And I think there's a really fundamental fear of death that we're not addressing mm. as a species. Mm. And this idea of, and it's causing us to miss out on the fact that we're here. Well, that's the thing. That's that's kind of what I'm getting from everything you're saying is like the through line is like, if you feel any kind of uncomfortable or emptiness inside, the, I think that the only way um, to go through that is to fill something from inside, like to grow whatever's inside, right? Like to be more loving, to live more fully, to whatever just to get the house is if if you're already empty inside you're only going to feel emptier right or just to get the 100 million followers on instagram is only just going to magnify what's already not there but i think if you aren't um if we're not as connected to ourselves inside then it's probably more tempting to feel like you need to get something from the outside whether that is an ice bath or a house or mm -hmm. whatever it is and that will just fix like then you'll be then you kind of you kind of assume people who have that already are happy and then you get there and realize that that's not it doesn't do anything for you inside if your inside garden isn't already mm -hmm. like a like a content place to live like you said completely yeah completely and the path to it is probably first of all to befriend the emptiness mm. because you know there's this saying in, in zen buddhism especially that all, everything is empty actually that sounds quite dark but that's not what they mean what they mean mm. is everything is kind of devoid of the meaning that we attach to it mm. so if you befriend the emptiness and you realize that life is just a dance this wonderful teacher uh, called Adya Shanti wrote a book called Emptiness Dancing and that's basically what we are and wow. also there's kind of like this meaninglessness that just moves around and that we ascribe meaning to this beautiful it can be a beautiful meaning it can be a, a meaning that doesn't make us feel as good so I think what I feel is that because there's this connection to ourselves that's been lost yeah. because we're so hooked on the external, either that person is going to save us or my attention is completely distracted Yeah, all the time. There's dopamine coming at me from something outside of me all the time, whether it's through the phone, whether it's through sugar, whether it's through ice baths, whatever it is. Yeah, And if you can learn to sit in the emptiness of yourself for a while, you realize actually, I don't need a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't need so much of it. I can, yes, like, it makes me feel good every now and again. It keeps me healthy. While I talk about not necessarily needing to live to 120, we do want to be fit older people, mm -hmm. right? We want to yeah. be in our 60s and 70s with our faculties and our 80s with still our range of motion. So I'm not disparaging all of this. All I'm saying is to ask, to ask the questions why mm -hmm. so do you want to be yeah. a fit enabled 80 year old or are you running away from death yes because you are going to die you are going to die it sounds yeah. harsh to say yeah we're all going to die mm -hmm. and i think if we can't face that fact and realize what am i running away from i'm spending my entire day my entire life actually avoiding death mm -hmm. and i'm forgetting to live yeah so it's a oh. two different thing. It's 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 intention basically. It's 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 checking why you're doing the things you're doing mm -hmm. because 
it's a completely different thing to be doing all these things out of fear or mm-hmm. out of control or out of needing to be distracted and numbed versus because you felt the emptiness and then you like the um, occasional addition consciously and chosen by you to put it in. 100%. Yeah. You're totally right. And there's the anxiety and depression epidemic because mm-hmm. that's the real, that, that's, yeah. that, that's a pandemic that we're not really, so we're, true. that we're not addressing. Yeah. That underlying thought of I'm not okay and I'm what can I do to be okay is what's driving all of it. Mm. And that's what people really, really need to connect to. Like, why do I not feel okay? Wow. What in me is disconnected or doesn't feel lucky to be alive? Or what, what, has, what in me awoke this? Mm. Or have I always had it? That's interesting. And, it's, and that's, that's the path for most people is coming to the core root of that question. Yeah. And making Why peace with it. Why am I not okay? It. Why am I not okay? Mm. And then coming to the realization that actually I was okay all the time. Yeah. I was, there was nothing wrong with me. Everything was fine. Mm. I was born, I mean, this is something that most philosophies always teach is you were born liberated. Mm. You know, and a lot of that has been circumvented, destroyed, pushed apart by some of the more extreme religious beliefs that were implanted on us, which I think are starting to be questioned. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't matter where you go in the world, there is mm. religion and spirituality, whether people realize it consciously or not, is actually a part of escapism in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's a, whether it's Earth is just a transitory place on mm-hmm. the way to a paradise somewhere else and you yeah. have to be here and be a good person all the time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to end up in the fires. Mm-hmm. So not, you have to behave a certain exactly way to do everything right yeah. all the time to end up in the good place. Yeah. Or... In some Eastern philosophies, it's all around awakening. Mm-hmm. It's all around li- you know, liberation in this life. Yeah. And people don't really understand what that is. Right. Right. So it's if I just do all of this, then I'm going to all suffering will cease. Mm-hmm. Like meditate for 40 days or whatever it is, then I'll be fine. Or, so meditate yeah. for 40 days. You can get beautiful insights from that. So, I mean, it's, 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 uh, but it, again, it goes back to what you said. What's the intention behind yeah. it? Yeah. So is this something that's going to deepen my connection to myself? Yeah. Is it something that's actually going to, improve the way that I perceive reality mm-hmm. and take away the filter of this, I'm not okay, Yeah, which it can do. Yeah. Or am I doing this because I think it's going to take me somewhere else? Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be high all the time and living, it's not real. Yeah. And this is what most people are selling. Totally. And it's not real because anybody that's had a real spiritual awakening, I mean, I, I don't want to use judgmental terms here and say real, but mm-hmm. most people, even in my traditions, they say, Ego dissolution is not something that you should strive for because it looks like a psychotic break. Wow. So most people that have had those re- those really deep insights, it's not like, oh, la, 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 and I'm walking <laughs> around and all of a sudden nothing can touch me. Mm-hmm. That happens sometimes. I've had that for a period of months, but then it goes away. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh, that was just a fleeting peak experience. Mm-hmm. Everything is impermanent. I shouldn't yeah. get attached to that. Right. But I shouldn't keep trying to chase it. It just came. I enjoy it while it's there and then it goes away and then it's fine. That's but beautiful. The, the, the deep spiritual insights usually are, uh, afterwards are involve some real rattling of, oh my God, because everything that you believed is questioned yeah. before and your entire basis of reality starts to fall apart. And if you're questioning everything that you believe before that, it's a really, really unpleasant place to be in for a while. But it leads to more growth. It leads to more evolution. It leads mm. to um, more empowerment. Yeah. And I think that's the direction that we're heading in. It's kind of like we're taking back the mantle from 
the gurus from the schools from the religions and we need to come back into our own intuition to our own empowerment to our own power and to question what have i been believing all this time yeah can i and because it's i think that's the only way we're going to evolve really by overcoming kind of this core fear of death yeah by taking back our power and not giving it away to other people because we see what's happening in the world and the way that what that's resulting in and we have to decide do we as a species want to be here ultimately mm-hmm. because the way if you look around the world most people don't want to be here wow. right do you think I well yeah I, I guess being in if you micro that like um being in 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 your body is something that a lot of us are just constantly escaping day to day so that is probably the that is probably how that looks on a day-to-day experience if right? i take the example of some middle eastern countries for example or some even i'm, I'm not going to name countries actually let's just okay. take the example of some places that have been through real strife yeah they've had really really difficult times mm. you look around at the population and they're generally quite frustrated quite angry because they've had such a hard time it's yeah. one totally understandable mm. A lot of these countries also happen to have piles of garbage everywhere. Mm. People don't respect the environment. They don't respect the earth. And if you, because uh, I've had sessions with some of these people, if you dig a little bit deeper, it's generally F this place mm. is the underlying uh, consciousness. And that's why there's just garbage. They don't, they don't care about keeping things, this beautiful earth that we live on. They don't care about giving anything back. They just take, there's, there's no reciprocity because they, were t- they feel that they were tortured. Mm. And I'm not judging that w- in any way. That's, mm. that, that, that's their experience and it's valid if you've yeah. had war and you've had explosions and you've had, um, in some cases, earthquakes and, and really nasty uh, environmental disasters. It's completely yeah. understandable to have this feeling of shock and, the, and to have this anger towards God or the universe and to just be walking around in a perpetual state of uh, unconscious frustration. I mean, the earth's going to kick us off here if we don't change a little bit, right? Mm. Because climate change, whether you believe it's real or not, I believe it's happening, but the earth will be just fine because at some point or another, it will become an uninhabitable place for us and we'll become extinct like everyone else if we don't change our ways, if we don't evolve into a more reciprocal nature with a more reciprocal attitude towards nature. So it's us Mm -hmm. that has to lose. It's not the earth. Right. The earth will regenerate itself like it did after the dinosaurs, like it did every other time there's been a mass extinction. Mm -hmm. The earth will be just fine. Mm -hmm. It's us. That's a great way to put it. I really like that. So when you say, um, talking about how, what's wrong with me or, you know, what is this thing that I'm escaping, the thing that's causing the anxiety and the fear, you touched on the fact that it can be like passed on from a, like, religion obviously original sin that whole you know that whole concept original sin in catholicism and then in the east you've got good karma and bad karma right so i mean it's two two flip sides of the same coin you're born with this karma that you have to live out that was from past lives and that you have to Mm -hmm. correct in this in this life and that's completely possible but there's all these different belief systems and i spent years studying them Mm. and they all kind of come around the same thing Mm. they're all very very similar actually so the superiority (laughs) that all of them feel yeah is interesting but it all comes down to just live with compassion don't hurt others Mm -hmm. um give yeah that's a big one give just give i mean 
Yeah. And um, yeah, that's my, basically it. Yeah. You know, it's so true because I also think that even if you're being selfish, making a contribution to other people or to the world or to a creation of some sort every single day, there's nothing that makes you feel better about yourself or gives you that sense of I'm if you're just living for you right then I think that is when also anxiety and self-obsession and and those things can kind of take over right whereas if you're you know we're all here for each other as well you know we're all here to help each other and um so I I agree with you when you say that the purpose thing is like a you know is one of the big things because that is what ascribes so, so much positive meaning to life as well um and you know, the thing with all the social media and stuff nowadays, it's like there's so much focus on what can I get and how can I make my life look like that mm -hmm. versus how do I want to feel inside? Because when you focus on what's going to give you the feelings you want to give you, mm -hmm. then I think it pretty much always does come back to, you know, helping other people in some way or being nicer to yourself or having deeper, like you said, having deeper relationships. It always comes back to, you know, for want of a more simplified, you know, it does come back to love and service, you know? Um, and I don't think we're being encouraged to focus on that side of things um, enough, which I also think is when you, you know, spend too much time thinking about even in the spiritual guys, like, what am I, you know, all going through all of my traumas and looking for a thousand things that are mm -hmm. wrong with me. And, you know, there's a time and a place for that, of course. But when there's, when it becomes too much um, self-focus and self-indulgence, I also believe that that can be um, contributing to anxiety and depression. Totally. And like you said, there's a time and a place for that. And eventually yeah. a new cycle will come in. Mm. A new cycle will come in and people will realize, actually, I'm done. Yeah. And now it's time to be creative. Now it's time to put yeah. something out into the world. Yeah. Um, seasons, I guess. There's, right? there's seasons, but the purpose thing is a big thing. It's, yeah. It's, it's really important that you spoke about that because people need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Right. Whatever that reason is. Yeah. And most people have it. Mm. They just think that it's the wrong one. Ooh. For some reason. They think I that like that's, that. They think it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Ah. And I don't know. Generally, a lot of people, I mean, what you were good at as a child, mm -hmm. what naturally came to you, what mm -hmm. you loved to do, what mm -hmm. is, is generally what you want to do. So true. So just do it. Yeah. And it, I don't know a single person that does what they want to do. Do you know a single person that does what they want to do and isn't, purp doesn't feel purposeful, doesn't feel content, doesn't feel successful, even if their success isn't the same as what, the rest of society would measure. I don't know anyone. Mm. You know, you you have a you have a uh, a phrase for it. You say in their lane. Yeah. You say you know when someone's in their lane. Yeah. And that's true. You can tell. There's a buzz to that person. Yes. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people look to those people and they're like, oh, I wish I could have that. Mm -hmm. But you can, and whatever. Everyone has a, a a way of doing it. Even if you're busy with with two young kids that's mm -hmm. just the season yeah that's not forever yeah those kids are only going to be that young for a couple of years while so they're true. that young for those few years really soak it up because mm. eventually they're going to be eight years old or nine years old they're not going to need you anymore yeah and then you're going to be pissed that you missed th those years that you were just yeah so i mean so I'm, what you're coming back to is this illusion of maybe you do have your purpose, but you're just buying into the grass is greener mm -hmm. syndrome that we're all dealing with where we're, it's like something's better. With it. Yeah. We're all dealing with it all the time. So mm. life is a dance between craving and aversion, mm. craving and aversion, craving and aversion. That's Ooh. what most of us are hooked into. That's the core teaching of Buddhism. 
Craving, Say more. Craving and aversion. That we're constantly craving something or we're averse to something. So this, this desire that I need to have, I need to have this, this will make everything better. Or something that you have, if I get rid of this, then everything will be better. And the sweet spot is to sit in the middle of that, actually. And, okay, I don't need anything. Mm. I don't need to get rid of anything. Mm-hmm. Where I am right now is just where I am. And yeah. that's, we're not going to be there all the time. No. Because at the end of the day, we are who we are. We're in the middle of a city, most of us, mm-hmm. all the time. We're part of society. So it would be very easy. I, I mean, I say it for me personally, it would be very easy to just go off and live in a cave. Of course. That for me was the easy path. Yeah. So I did I did a version of that for a while, but then at some point, okay, all right, so this feels easy. Yeah. It doesn't feel joyful particularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel joy in terms of how I feel on the inside, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm serving anyone. Right. I'm sure that there's, I could be more use yeah. doing something else. So that's kind of what it comes back to is, how can you be here? How can you be of service? Where's, where's your purpose in this moment? Mm. And can, you, can we just accept it without this constant craving and aversion and craving yeah. and aversion? And when you really realize how much of our lives are dictated, <laughs> are dictated by that craving and the aversion. So true. All the time for short-term gains. Yeah. Right? So whether we're eating foods that we know are disruptive to our bodies and if we cultivate a relationship with our bodies and we listen, the body will say no. Mm-hmm. When I, I told you I did a one week fast last year and the end of it, I could hear my body speaking to me. Amazing. That went away after a while because we came, I came back to the city. But anytime that I've done a shorter fast since, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It just comes back to this idea and that's why I do them really. I don't mm-hmm. really have any kind of expectation. It's just to kind of give my body a rest and mm-hmm. to bring back this feeling and this energy of um, a recuperation and of listening to the fact that it doesn't want to be digesting food all the time. Amazing. So, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Cause it's like, we almost think that I think we've been sold this lie that we have to be like 100% fulfilled 100% of the time. And if we're not, then that we are the one that needs to change something about it. That's the thing. So I can't, sit here right now in, in that conditioning and be like happy about a couple things, meh about a couple others, still wanting something to come up in the future, also have something I want to let go of and just be like with it all, right? And that's and to accept that in any period of my life, no matter if I become more successful or if I get married or if I have kids or if I buy 10 homes or one home or never have a home or stay single for the rest of my life, all those states are still going to com- contain mm-hmm. that mix of those feelings and so the only way to be more content is actually to accept that that's the rules of the game you know so that's how I look at it anyway it's like it doesn't mean I can't want more it just means that I know that whatever I have else I'll still have the same kind of um just the human mix of all the stuff that doesn't kind of go and all pulls you in a different direction but it's all there it's in all of us right like we're just this mush of stuff all the time you know completely and that's the most heartbreaking thing what you just said there about as much as i love the law of attraction Mm. teachings and i love Mm. we all love the magic of you know hearing the abraham and esther hicks for example and all of this It's, it's beautiful yeah unfortunately what that's led to is a mass of people that are just beating themselves all mm. the time for any kind of thought that 
in I'm using inverted commas lowers their vibration. Yeah. Which is just a natural part of human experience. Yeah. And this is the reckoning that we've been talking about that's coming for the spiritual industry with mm -hmm. the economic climate that we're in. Mm -hmm. And all these manifestation coaches online that are charging thousands of dollars for coaching sessions. Yeah. And for, to, to tell people to live in a high vibe. Or yeah. To anyone that's listening to this that's part of that community, you know, I don't mean to disparage it. All I'm saying is that I get people coming to me sometimes on the flip side of that which is I'm not getting what I want. I've been doing all of this. I've been doing all of this and I'm, I'm trying so hard that I'm not getting what I want. Sometimes we just don't get what we want and yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it depends on what the seasons of life are. We cannot, we forget that we're part of nature. Yeah. Nature is not always, always growing. A tree sheds its leaves mm. once a year. There's a cycle mm -hmm. and then it grows. Mm -hmm. So, Align yourselves with the seasons of nature and don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. There's not going to be this beautiful. constant growth all the time. It's yeah. okay to be doing nothing mm -hmm. for periods of your life. Mm. It's okay to feel like, you know what, I worked really hard for a long time. And now for whatever reason, that phase finished and I just want to do nothing for a while. I have a friend who's been doing nothing for a year and she's never been so happy. She's like, you know what, I just, I surrendered to it. And now I spoke to her last week and she's, nope, I'm ready. Raring to go. She's raring to go. She yeah. got the rest that she needed. She's got a new vision for how she wants to give to the world. And she's fully ready to give. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's kind of like the, the sad thing about it is that there's, you know, this, this vulnerable population that's seeking answers, that's looking for what can we do to, to ameliorate because there are people that are, are having a rough time. Mm. Um, and you didn't do anything wrong. That's yeah. really the core part of it that yeah. I come back to is that no, it's not personal. Yeah. You're not being punished. Mm. If you weren't born into wealth, you didn't do anything wrong. If you were born into wealth and then you lost it, you didn't do anything wrong. Mm. It's not personal. Yeah. And we just have these cycles and these seasons and we're all part of it. And we're, you use this phrase, we're all just bumping into each other yeah. at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Interacting. And Ramdas has this beautiful saying, which is, we're all just walking each other home, so right? Yeah. So that's, if I could impart anything to people would be just be less hard on yourselves. It's yeah. not your fault. Yeah. You know, it's not personal. Surrender to what is, surrender to whatever season of life you're in. Mm. And then just trust that another season is going to come. Yeah. It's nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent. And also like, you know, what you're saying about these people who think that it's because of their low vibration, like that was the start, to be honest with you, that was, and you know, this, like this, the, that was the start of my spiritual journey. You know, when I was 22, 23, it was, it was completely fed by there's something wrong with me. And it was completely fed by, I need to just be thinking better. I need to be, you know, doing more high vibe things and I can't be whatever. And I have to do all the crystals and I have to get all the stuff and I have to read all the books and I have to blah, 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 blah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it, all of that stuff again was like, it's not that there's anything wrong with that stuff, but it's my thoughts that was coloring it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this need to think of myself as like this superhuman, you know, it's almost like we want to transcend humanity, then we'll be happy. You know what I mean? Like we'll be these extraordinary people, but actually the people that you admire who are doing it really well are actually very humble, right? They're not trying to be extraordinary. Um, and you know, the people who get everything they want and don't stay humble, they go off the you know, go off the, um, you know, you go cuckoo. So it's one of those things where I think you're right. The spiritual industry is almost like, um, 
wherever it's a reflection of how you bribe yourself, like if I believe in myself, I'll get everything I want. Or if I just believe I'm 100% worthy, then I'll get everything I want. What you're saying is it is a humble thing. It is saying sometimes what you want, and everyone's had this in their lives, like you didn't get something you wanted and actually you look back and it turned out to be a great thing. So there's a there's a dance between moving towards things that you value giving up the exactly how and the, the micromanaging and needing it to look a certain way and also being open to the fact that there is a greater agenda for it all and mm-hmm. better timing and we're not always on the upward climb and grind and because I think that's what you're saying is like you get to the end of your life if you've been on just a straight straight full-on grind the whole point part of your life you've missed out on so many other um things mm-hmm. where if you naturally want to relax for a year You'll find it will change. Totally. And it's okay. And if you, whatever season of life you're in, Mm. just if we can just learn to enjoy it for as as much as possible. Mm. So I've been through death cycles, Mm. what we call death cycles in, Mm. in, in philosophical terms. You have, I mean, everyone goes through periods of, dissolution let's call them that where mm-hmm. life as you know it changes mm-hmm. your norm just falls away whether you were engaged or mm-hmm. married or in a relationship and it fell apart mm-hmm. or the job or the career that you're in ended for whatever reason or the play that you moved cities or you were forced to move for whatever reason or some kind of crisis precipitated something it's just a part of life yeah it's not permanent like you said and we didn't do anything wrong and i think that that's yeah. that's actually in addition to being a religious thing, it's also a childhood thing. You know, you get rewarded at school. You're rewarded all the time. You're taught. You behave you in a certain way. You'll get a treat, mm-hmm. right? It's part of just a childhood conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it's cruel in adulthood to think that way to ourselves, actually. that um, This negative self-talk of I'm just not doing, I'm not getting things. And things aren't moving because I'm doing something wrong. If you're not taking action, of course. If you're yeah. just kind of sitting on your couch wishing for things, yeah. then nothing's going to change. But if for whatever reason the thing that you're trying to push forward isn't working, mm. really isn't working, if you've pushed and it feels like it's just ground to a halt, then you, whatever, for whatever reason your purpose doing that thing ended. Yeah. And that's it. And it's it's a harsh reality to be faced with when you've put so much love into something because we love, that's all we really want, isn't it? We just want to love. That's genuinely what I believe about humanity is that we just, all anybody wants is love, yeah. right? We're constantly searching for love, whether it's from other people, whether it's from the things that we're doing, we're, we're looking for a sense of mm-hmm. wholeness mm-hmm. that we feel disconnected from. Yeah. So if we come back to the idea that was I ever not whole actually, mm. If this ends, does it mean that I'm not whole anymore? Right. If this goes, if this relationship ends, what's, what, sure, part of me goes with it. There's a grief process, but Mm. I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And who's the I in the first place? I mean, that was just, you know, that's a pretty deep philosophical question to ask. But if you start asking, questioning yourself, like, who am I actually? Mm. Like, who's the I that thinks that I'm talking? Who's the I that thinks that that's having these thoughts? Mm Mm-hmm. And if you start to cultivate kind of this witness consciousness, you realize that actually there was a wholeness that was there the whole time. And that all these stories were just stories and we can let them go a little bit. Yeah. And that, you know, if you're looking for that feeling of love, you know, almost like cultivate a love with you and life, you know, that doesn't go away. Mm. You know, cultivate, do give things, be things that make you feel loving as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can make yourself when you when you when someone says I love you and you feel that flutter inside because you feel like that 
you feel that love inside. Mm -hmm. There's so many other ways to create that, you know, and the more you can become someone that knows how to move that muscle, you know, you actually realize like you can, you don't need to pin it on so, so many conditional because you're right, like pe things are going to leave, you know, there's everyone's going to experience death and grief and loss and change and those things are inevitable. So we, we, um, we have to learn how to dance with it all, right? We have to learn how to dance with it and open up our field of perception so that we're not only seeing the quote unquote negative stuff. Yeah. There's so much magic happening so here. Much magic. I mean, what we're capable of is just absolutely incredible as yeah. a species, as 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 people that evolved, I mean, if we want to go into that, evolved from primates, and mm -hmm. now we're creating these incredible intelligences. I mean, a chat GPT, I mean, mm -hmm. this is just, it's absolutely bonkers that yeah. this was something that was created by humans. And it's and also crazy because like everything, everything that exists here was someone's, the figment of someone's imagination mm -hmm. once. Isn't that crazy? I used to tell people in LA that we're having existential crises to go to Disneyland. Wow. I would say go to Disneyland and you go there and you think it's just a ride, but realize this was created by a human. This is someone's imagination. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And he just had the guts to do it. Literally. Right. He just had the belief in himself to go forward. And you know what? I'm going to create all of this. And, you know, for whatever people, you know, this, the spiritual community has certain beliefs about Disney. Let's put those aside for a second. I don't even know what those are. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's put aside the conspiracy theories, okay, which yeah, I don't believe we don't in either, need those, yeah. which we don't need those here. But there's a magic in terms of what we can create. And yeah. that's not to say that everybody has to be creating Disneylands, but no. what, what is your dream? What is your Disneyland? What is yeah. your Disneyland? What's kind of your dream? And just remember that actually you can do it and that there's not really anyone stopping you. Yeah. So a lot of people, there's always something that we can kind of pin it on, whether it's a relationship or whether mm -hmm. it's not having enough money or um, money is an important one, but I, I see people investing in ridiculous things all the time. Oh, you know, yeah. I still work in, I still work in finance. It's, yeah. it's kind of bonkers when you look yeah. at some of the ideas, you know, how many laundry delivery apps do we need, for example? Mm -hmm. So, anything is possible if it's genuinely meant to be here if it's something that you genuinely believe in mm. at some point it will come forward yeah and even if it's just a fleeting moment that that fleeting moment served somebody mm. you know one of my teachers used to say all the time is get out of the way yeah so if you have a real you feel like there's something moving through you there's an urge do it otherwise nature screams in agony and it doesn't matter if only one person, for example, say it's a workshop or whatever it is, one person shows up, that one person was meant to be there. Mm. Get your ego out of the way about wanting to see a room full of people mm. and trust that that person's getting exactly what they want. Yeah. And I told you about this. I remember kind of a year, a year and a half ago, just when the Ukraine crisis was happening, I put on a, um, a free uh, breathwork and meditation thing online. 10 people signed up only one person came in the end. That woman had the most incredible breakthrough. She needed that one-on-one -on -one session. And mm -hmm. she messaged me the next day to say, thank you so much. That was more than 10 years of catharsis that I've had in 10 years of therapy. Just from breathing, and I gave her the space to express her feelings and to scream out the frustration mm. that she's been feeling for so long and that she's never given a voice. 
if I, I could have, if I saw only one person show up, I could have very easily said, you know what, there's not enough people here. Let's yeah. just call it a day. Yeah. But I had that going in the back of my mind. That was a teaching that was really ingrained into me, which is get out of your own way yeah. and just show up for whoever's there yeah. at that time. So if someone's had a business that's been operating for four years, for example, and it's not doing so well anymore, what I would say is give it your all to keep it going because it's serving people. If you've got employees, you're giving people employment. But if it really feels like it's not going anywhere, just trust that it served its purpose and yeah. let it go. Yeah, and it doesn't it. have to last forever to be a success. It doesn't have to last forever to be mm -hmm. a success. It was a, a path, a, a specific path that you walked on for a certain number of years and now mm -hmm. you'll get diverted to someone else. Something else. And the uncertainty is the hardest part. Yeah. It's really, it's sometimes, it's not so much the attachment to the business, it's the uncertainty, the unknown of, of what, am I, what am I going to do? Because yeah. we're terrified of a void yeah. as, a, as a species. We can't not be doing anything. We've been ingrained with this kind of hustle. Yeah. mentality that the idea of doing nothing terrifies people mm -hmm. it's possible also that that's for financial reasons which i completely understand and mm -hmm. obviously makes a lot of sense but um gen generally what i see with most people is that there's no the void doesn't last that long mm -hmm. it's so true you just need to visit it to almost like reset the palate, kind of what you're talking about, the mm. cleanse, you know, when mm. you when you fast, right? It's almost like that. It's mm -hmm. like you need to just get everything out of the way and then to see whatever natural thing comes out of you next. It's almost like for something to emerge from the soil, like the soil just needs to be cleaned and then something will bud. It's just a matter of time. Just needs to regenerate. So, yeah. I mean, for new leaves to grow, the old leaves have to fall off in the yeah. first place, right? Yeah. So there has to be... Um, the thing with the void is, I, I remember... I had a teacher that used to say, nature abhors a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. Yeah. And even if you look at kind of, if you go down and drill it down to scientifically, mm -hmm. and you look at, there's a wonderful book by a man called uh, Friedrich Capra. Uh, Friedrich Capra? Anyway, I think, that, I think that was his name. It was, it's, um, it's kind of a book that examines the relationship and the commonalities between quantum physics and Eastern philosophy. So in physics, just whenever there's something, you look at kind of the core, if you go down to like an atomic level, mm. out of an emptiness, something just appears, like yeah. something replicates and it just continues kind of this path of growth out of, out of nothing. So, yeah. I mean, how tiny is a seed mm -hmm. and then a gigantic tree grows out of it. Insane. So... Speaking of magic. Speaking of magic <laughs> and the fact that the fact that we shouldn't be so scared of kind of emptiness and being small for a while. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that's such an important reminder is like from a really grounded place, like there is something that is moving behind the scenes, not just in a la-di-da way, but like truly, like if we know that there's nothing wrong with us, when we go through these seasons, when we go through uncomfortable things, and that there is incredible stuff happening and this is like the show of a lifetime mm -hmm. and that we're just playing our small partner like it isn't it's not all to do with like oh it's all our fault or there's something wrong with us things are just happening sometimes because they're just happening mm -hmm. and we're just part of a a huge orchestra 100 percent. Yeah. we're just like a tiny cog moving in this gigantic machine and and that's it and the important thing with the emptiness, just to go back to it for a yeah. second, is that sometimes people need that emptiness to literally empty out. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, you don't get the insights that you need to move forward without releasing the baggage. Yeah. So I was running rage release workshops last year, uh, a couple where people, I was just telling people, okay, everyone's frustrated because 
of what's happened in the past two years, this kind of a rage that's built up in people, let's get it out and then feel what's the energy underneath it. Because generally, if there's a frustration or an anger in you, it's because there's something that you haven't gotten that you wanted, or you feel that there's, that there's a lack of control, or there's a fear of a lack of control that's going on. So let's get the energy out first of all, connect to that anger and move it and release it and then feel what's the energy underneath it. What is it that you wanted that you didn't get? Mm -hmm. What's, and it, it might have the outer appearance of, of this relationship isn't what I want or I'm stuck in this job or whatever it is. If you feel stuck in this job, it's because there's energy underneath it is something that you want to create that you're not able to create. Mm -hmm. You're not being able to create. So can you really tap into what is that creativity, that source mm -hmm. that's aching to burst out of you wow. that you ignored for so long that you were too busy to notice and really connect to that energy and through the empty because you only noticed it after you emptied out right. only in the void were you able to realize it mm -hmm. so it's a completely necessary part of life actually mm -hmm. and actually you grow so much from just clearing all the gunk and mm -hmm. just then being able to tap into what else is there on like yeah what you mm -hmm. said like what else is underneath that like i've been in times in my life where i thought i was doing nothing right and i thought i was um you know, not moving forward in my life or whatever, but actually I was filling my empty days with so much distraction. So then of course, even though I was doing nothing, I was also not really embracing the doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're doing nothing, really do nothing. Mm -hmm. If you're doing something, really do the something. Um, instead of this kind of like weird halfway house we're at now where it's just like always distracted and always numb. If you're in the empty space, like my God, what a magical place it is and, and like make the most of it. I think people are really tapping into that. You can't get onto a Vipassana course, for example. The wait lists are crazy. Really? So Vipassana is a, for people listening that don't know what that is, it's a 10-day silent meditation retreat where people go and do nothing. They just sit for 10 hours a day with themselves uh, following a, a, a simple meditation technique of following their breath. And are they booking up? Like Beyond booking up, you can't get it. You can't even get it. It's so hard. If you're not on, everyone I know that I've sent to one says, yeah. if you're not online the minute that they release, <laughs> within 30 seconds, the wait, it's on, you're on a wait list wow. for, for certain centers. Wow. So, I mean, I think people are really starting to embrace this. Mm. And so cool. Even though, and people that go to them are generally very, very enthusiastic. I can say, obviously, that some people also think of them as kind of like the be-all and end-all. And if I just do this, then everything will be fine. But pff, mm -hmm. what harm is going to come to you from listening to yourself for 10 days yeah. I mean, and doing nothing? I think yeah. there's only magic possible from that. Mm. So even if it doesn't give you what you thought you wanted, you'll probably get something else. Mm. Amazing, no? Mm -hmm. it's, it's so... Um, I'm so happy that you came on because I think it's so important to simplify this kind of stuff. You know, like... Just be kinder to yourself. Listen to your inner voice. Don't be afraid of what's there. Have, you know, all the things that you've spoken about. Like, I think there's just, this is the kind of encouragement I think that we all need. And I know for sure I need, like, there is nothing wrong with you. This is not happening to you because you're flawed, um, you know, in, a, in an inherent kind of more fundamental way. And don't be afraid of the silence and listen to your inner voice and clear out the gunk. Like these are things that beyond the kind of, I guess, pop spirituality that's happening now, like these are teachings that have survived like mm. <laughs> the test of time. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that we should, you know, the, it benefits us to kind of look and see which ones have been around for years and years because they're obviously the ones that are, 
not maybe as glamorized or not as cool or don't give us like the, you know, short term high gratification, instant, whatever, but they actually help us live a more, and I think you said the perfect word earlier, it's like just a more content mm-hmm. life with yeah. more acceptance. I just, just learn to be here. That's ultimately it. That's ba- anyone that comes for meditation, for example, I say to them, you might have read online about the scientific benefits and what it's going to do to your brain and what it's going to do to your nervous system. That's wonderful. And mm-hmm. that's 100% part of the process. That's, but I say that that's a bonus because nobody here is, what, excuse me, nobody should be selling meditation on those basis. They're not selling you just a calmer nervous system. They're, set, they're giving you back your attention. Your attention's mm-hmm. been hijacked by a very fast-paced way of living, by technological devices, by the external world all the time. Mm-hmm. And you've completely lost and forgotten about how important it is to have such a deep and meaningful relationship with what's going on inside of you. Mm-hmm. That's, the be- that, that's the true benefit of it, is learning to hear yourself and learning to really connect with what's making you tick. Mm-hmm. So that can only come, that can only be good from it at the end of the day. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. And um, yeah, I'm excited to keep doing more of it. And uh, I'm launching a community platform this year. I'm yeah. calling it a platform. I don't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. But the community experiences, let's call it that. It's yeah. still in the birthing stages, but massive meditations to really bring people together, mm-hmm. immersive retreats to guide and p- take people on a journey through the various cycles of life, um, creative experiences to have people tap into a more mindful way of painting or pottery or whatever it is just something that brings people together in joy Mm. and brings people together to really realize the power of community and the power of connection between us because we might have all this technology we might have this ai coming we might have so much of life is being automated but nothing can replicate i think we really realized that during the lockdowns how important human connection is yeah and we're stronger together Mm -hmm. there's power in numbers yeah. There's nothing that we can't create. And you know that through human design as well, yeah. that when different kind of groups come together, there's everyone brings their individual gifts together and it just mm-hmm. becomes this orchestra yeah. of creation. Yeah. And that's what, um, you know, that's what nothing, no, no new thing can ever, um, you know, just the human spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I love what you said, you know, learning to, I mean, there's so many nuggets from this. I don't even know how we're going to sum this podcast up, but like learning to be here is so beautiful, you know, Mm. connection, so beautiful and community and the power of that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I could talk to you, we could do this for, we have done this for hours, but I'm just so pleased to share your wisdom with other people and, and just selfishly to talk to you because it's always such a good reminder of like the simplicity of this stuff. I think it's so easy to get complicated on this journey and you always kind of bring it back to the stuff that matters so thank you thank you for a beautiful discussion